This is the Horse Radio Network. What a beautiful day for horses in the morning. Thursday morning, everybody. I am Glenn the Geek from Ocala, Florida. And I'm Lisa Graham coming to you live from Las Vegas, Nevada. You're listening to another special heavy horse episode of Horses in the Morning on Horse Radio Network, presented by the Draft Horse Journal for November 3rd, 2016. Today's episode 1558. This episode is brought to you by the Clydesdale Breeders of the USA. Good morning, Horse World. Good morning. As I promised, we are going to have a class that is second to none. We are going to be bringing in the Clydesdales, the Belgians, and the Pertrans in the arena. Well, good morning, everybody. Thank you so much for joining us. As you know, Lisa is here the first Thursday of every month for our special draft horse episode. Good morning, Lisa. Good morning. So what part of the world are you in? I am coming to you live today from Las Vegas, Nevada. Oh, wow. What's going on there? I am out here to uh, enjoy the PBR, to come live, uh, visit all of our draft horse friends that are out here enjoying the PBR and see some champions crowned in bull riding. Oh, wow. Very cool. Now, you don't announce out there, though, right? I don't. Um, we're out here kind of with the good folks at Express Clydesdales. They always do a display throughout the PBR and represent the draft horses. And we come out as part of uh, their team and, uh, again, just kind of help to promote the Clydesdales, the draft horses, and and see a lot of cowboys. Well, cool. That's neat. You know, I always get the PBR confused with the NFR. <laughs> I, always get the, I always go, wait a minute, that's in December, but completely different thing. Well, yeah, and I've been to both of them. PBR, by far, in my opinion, rocks. And and lots of draft horse people come out here and support it. And who doesn't want to be in Vegas this time of the year? Yeah, yeah. Well, and and then I guess with the NFR, they, it's the shopping. Uh, the, exactly. Yeah. Cowboy <laughs> Christmas is pretty amazing. In fact, I've toyed with the idea of coming back out just to go to Cowboy Christmas. Do you... Do you uh, stay in, in one of the mainstream casino hotels, or do you stay off the Strip? Well, we kind of stay off the Strip because the traffic, number yeah. one, and and we stay at the South Point, oh, which yeah. is kind of the home for um, all That's of the, the different events. Is, right? Yep, the yeah. arena, the fan zone, everything kind of happening out at, at South Point is really exciting. And, and you are off the Strip, so you miss a lot traffic and a lot of the hubbub, but it's just a 10 minute drive to get down. And this year the PBR is going, um, they're starting their first year in their new facility. They'd always been at the Thomas and Mack center. So they've moved downtown. So tonight will be my first time to see how the new facility turns out. Very good. That's, that's, yeah. that's fun. Yeah. Yeah. And the weather's beautiful out here. I don't know. I don't know about what, what you're going through. I know my hometown of uh, Watsika yesterday went through lots of storms, tornado warnings, downpours of rain. It was, it was a horrible day. It was almost like a spring day in Illinois. But out here, it is 75 and beautiful. Well, terrific. This is the time of year to be in Vegas, uh, not July. 
<laughs> right. <laughs> well, I was just thinking, this is our fourth episode, and you've kind of had storms going each through one of our episodes. You, yeah. You, now we're quiet today. And- it's beautiful weather, no humidity. This is, the, this is the reason that we live in Florida, is for this kind of weather. Absolutely. Uh, yeah, and are there, are there uh, exciting horse things going on down in Florida not, this time of yet. year? Yeah. They'll just be arriving shortly. We're going to start to get uh, all the horse people will be showing up here shortly. So not quite yet. Uh, yeah. but, but, uh, and you know the snowbirds will be coming soon. Yep. I'm, and this will be the time of year when we can't get in restaurants again. Oh. You know, all summer, it, we could just walk into any restaurant. But it's pretty soon when the horse people and the old people show up, you can't get in restaurants anymore. <laughs> well, well, I was trying to think what I've been... Uh, doing since our last visit, and and I've been to some great shows. And draft horse industry, as we said, is yeah. is just Hold that booming thought. out there. Hold that thought. We're going to talk about those in a minute, but let's tell everybody what's coming up on today's show. Awesome. Today's show, we have Dale Stoltzfoots coming on from the Horse Progress Days. He's going to tell us all about that. We also have uh, Brian Lynch coming on. He's a horseshoer in uh, Goshen, Connecticut, and he's going to tell us what it's like to. Put shoes on the big boys and girls. And uh, we also have, we and you know her, we have Hattie Westerfield coming on. She was a grand champion youth exhibitor at the recent North American Belgian Championships. She's 15 years old. So that's going to be fun. That's exciting. Good girl. Very nice young lady. Uh, and then also, oh, well, you can tell everybody who's coming on last because she's kind of a hero of yours. She is. Uh, I, I was flashing back to the day when you said you were having Priscilla Presley on your show, and she was kind of like your hero. And I am so excited to have our final guest today is a lady that I have watched over the years and had admired and have now become friends with. Pam Minnick is going to be oh, here, and yeah. Pam's going to Pam's going to talk about her days in the horse industry and also the Gentle Giants show that's featured on RFD TV each Sunday evening. So super, super excited to have Pam with us. Did I mention I beat her in a celebrity driving competition? Yeah, you, you <laughs> mentioned it to me. Now our listeners know that you did beat her. I might her bring in that it up country. with Pam again, too. Maybe. And I bet yeah. she's ready for a rematch. I bet too. she is, too. <laughs> I don't think I'm going to win the next time either. She's no, out for blood I, next time. <laughs> yeah, she's got a little experience now because I, you know, leading in it, and we can ask her the details, but she was at the Minnesota State Fair and we talked about how many people were at Minnesota. And she got a ride on one of the hitches to come up to the arena. And Part of those videos went viral, and, and it was in the hundreds of thousands of people that watched those videos and, and saw the six- and eight-horse hitches maneuvering through, you know, on an average of 150,000 people at the fair. So Pam is getting a little um, more used to the lines, and, and she's got a good spot up on the seat a lot of times with these drivers, so she might be tough she competition really this cool time. Job. It's a really yes. cool job. It really she, is. I absolutely. didn't realize that she had been a sports commentator for rodeo and equestrian and country music. I didn't realize she had done all that stuff. Oh, Where were you in the I 70s and 80s? Mesquite <laughs> Rodeo? That, that, was our, that was our entertainment on Saturday night. We'd have to sit down and watch the Donnie Gay ra- rodeos and I'd always say, man, that's a girl down there doing that. That's a girl talking. And yeah, she's been she's been a hero. So I am super excited to have Pam on. And she and she's in Vegas this week too. Her her dad is celebrating, I think it's his 93rd birthday. So she's a Vegas girl at heart and she's out here as well. I said, too bad we couldn't team up and do our shows together live, but we're at different ends of town. 
Well, you know, we um, I wanted to mention to you, speaking of celebrities, that uh, I finally got to watch the special, and I don't know if you've seen it on Netflix, Martin Clune's Heavy Horsepower. No, haven't seen that. Yeah, you need to check it out. Martin Clune is Doc Martin of the BBC show. And it's been on forever over in England, and he's quite a celebrity over in England. But he has a couple of uh, Clydesdales, and he decided to do this special called Heavy Horsepower, and he goes around uh, all of the U.K. and does different uh, heavy horse things, kind of like Pam's show, only okay. he did it as a special and he's because he's a celebrity over there who happens to have horses. Well, I think that I can confirm this now. He will be one of our special guests on the 12-hour live radiothon that we're doing on November the 28th. So we're going to get to speak to him about uh, about his celebrity life and his horse life over there in England on uh, November 28th. So that's coming. That's up. pretty exciting. Yeah, it was a it was a great special too. It was a lot of fun because he's a lot of fun. So he made it you know fun to just go around and do different horse things kind of reminded me of her show but he just did it as a one-off um, and he's probably not as pretty and cute either no definitely no. not <laughs> <laughs> gotcha, gotcha definitely not as pretty and cute but well uh, talking about talking about yeah. going overseas i've been following one of our um, draft horse enthusiasts and uh, there was three perturans that left o'hare airport um about a week and a half ago and made a trip over um, they were going to Germany, and they were sold to Stefan, which has been a great supporter internationally and here in the U.S. of our Pertron industry. And it was kind of neat following the trip of these Pertron fillies as they went over there, watching them go through quarantine, watching them get loaded in the container at O'Hare Airport. You know, I live at O'Hare Airport. I, I feel like I have a wing there with my name on it. <laughs> but to watch them bring the horses in and and load them in the containers and I had I was shocked to see there was literally a, a fold down bed that came off of the wall and that's where the groom stayed and slept that was that was flying over with the horses. It was Dr. Um, Jim Heyer and Stephanie Heyer from Wisconsin that sent these horses over to Germany. So that was that was quite interesting. I never saw the journey of horses getting on a cargo plane. To, to go overseas. We've talked about that a lot because of the Olympics. What I want to know is some of those containers are not box stalls. They're kind of almost standing stalls. Do they make extra right. large ones for the draft horses? They do. I wondered the same thing. So I was excited to, to actually see Stephanie's pictures as she was featuring it. Um, you know, the hires had the world champion stallion from the last Pertron Congress. And these were three offsprings from that horse and going over to Germany to help kind of promote the Pertron. And, and Stefan has a tremendous horse knowledge over there. And he is going to go ahead and keep, keep purchasing horses to keep helping with his breeding program over there. But like you said, that trip, those stalls do not look big, but they say the horses have a very comfortable ride. Well, and you know, it's interesting, and I always love to hear when horses go the other way, because it's usually us importing horses for Europe from the warm bloods and, you know, for competition. Sure. They're always coming the other way. You know, we're never shipping them over there. So, <laughs> so that's cool. That's oh, a good thing. Yeah. yeah, so neat. And just, I was kind of looking over my notes trying to think, where have I been? What do we get to talk about since I've been on Where's the show Lisa last? Where's Lisa been? Like Carmen well, San Diego. I was in your home place. Remember, we were. I went to Keystone. Went oh, out to went the to Harrisburg. Went to Harrisburg, and weather was absolutely beautiful in Harrisburg this time. Normally, we we have lots of rain or 
you know, falls really kicking in when you hit the hit the Pennsylvania line. But Harrisburg was a beautiful show. And I did a really neat interview there. And, and we'll get to that at some of our later shows. But I did a neat interview with Blue Ribbon Days, Albert Clevy, who owns the Blue Ribbon Days Pertrans. And he had a tremendous show when he was out there. He had overall Supreme Champion Mare. He won the Six Horse Hitch, the, the overall classic show with his mares. And then the Shire Association each year sells raffle tickets to make money for their association, and they give away a show cart, one of the very fancy two-wheel carts that the draft horse exhibitors use. And lo and behold, the name pulled out was Albert. So mm. we, we've done a real good, in, good, intense. Good week. <laughs> I said, go buy a lotto ticket and take me with you. It's, it's been a good week for you. So we'll talk to Albert coming up, but Keystone was a was a tremendous show. Um, horse numbers down a little bit, but there was a lot of competition and different shows going on. And then from there, I went right into Lansing, Michigan, to the Michigan Great Lakes International, which has been um, a standard show for forty years in our industry, and and a great facility, great people in charge of it, and they had a tremendous show as well. Their problem was they were competing with the NABC, like we talked about. Um, everybody out in Massachusetts showing yeah. the Belgians at their championship. And it was kind of unfortunate that the shows overlap because it, it did hurt, you know, the Great Lakes. It took away a, a lot of horses, but, you know, they crowned some champions out at um, what what we're calling the NABC, the Belgian championship. They, they crowned some champions and we have to give a shout out to uh, country lane Belgians. They, were from Ontario. They came in and they were the classic series winner. They won the overall six horse hitch there at uh, the NABC. So good shout out to Kyle and Marsha and, and Ted and his family for being the overall world champion winners at the Belgian show. Congratulations to them. Well, you know what? There's another show coming up. It's called Horse Progress Days. It's the Heavy Horses Industry's single most unique and important event in its 23rd year. It's uh, originated as a means of showcasing newly manufactured and modified horse-drawn equipment. The annual event features field demonstrations, educational seminars, round pen clinics, uh, parade of breeds. They have all kinds of family and children activities. It, as many as 32,000 people have attended this annual event. And it's going to be held in, well, right next to my hometown in Pennsylvania. We have Dale Stoltzfoots on here to talk about Horse Progress Days. Good morning, Dale. Good morning to you both. Thank you Hi, so Dale. much for joining us. Uh, you know, Leola, I grew up in New Holland, went to Garden Spot. So, uh, Oh, really? Yep. No kidding. I, wow, I, that's yeah. amazing. I didn't know that. Yeah, I, I have been on Route 23 many, many, many times. Oh, my goodness. Of course. Of course. So tell me, where in Leola? Wow. There's not like five inches that isn't been developed, it seemed like. So, I mean, uh-huh. uh, well, that's a little extreme. But, yes, I know what you mean. Uh <laughs> Um, it's, uh, it will be on Brethren Church Road. Now, the reason for the name of the road is that there's a big Brethren Church, uh, um, on 23, uh, in, uh, I guess we would call it. Yeah. yeah. And, uh, it'll be right next to the produce auction. The produce auction in, in, uh, Leola is the granddaddy produce auction that probably spawned over a hundred other produce auctions around the country over the last, oh, I don't know, 20, 25 years. So it'll be right there beside the produce auction in, uh, on the Warren Nolt farm. I know exactly where you're going to be. Well, terrific. That's a lot of fun. Tell us about Horse Progress Days. What happens? What do you do? Well, Horse Progress Days is a very unique uh, event in the, in the draft horse world. And the, the, uh, really, the reason for its existence and what it does is the most, uh, 
the first of, first and foremost always is that it demonstrates and this is important newly manufactured horse drawn equipment that and behind actual horses in actual field conditions there are announcers who talk about the equipment that's behind the horses they talk about the horses themselves the owners of the horses and uh, what they do with their horses it's very, very educational. Now, there are a lot of old-time uh, farm days around the country which are very interesting and very engaging, but this is not that. We always always want to make that distinction. This is, you know, when you use the, hor- the, words, the two words horses and progress side by side, uh, that's a bit of, of, of an anomaly, I would say, but that is intentional. Uh, so we're thinking about and, and promoting the use of horses as we go forward into the future in a progressive way. Well, that's interesting because I don't think, you know, as I'm a horse person, but I, you Mm -hmm. know, I don't plow fields. Mm -hmm. I don't do the work that you guys do. I I have carriages I drive. But Mm -hmm. so the question though is, are they developing new horse drawn uh, working equipment all the time? I mean, my, my thought is, well, are, are there any? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's a good question, but, the, when you say new pieces, now it's probably not well. There are new pieces. One one would be any, one example would be, and and it probably is somewhat patterned after. Uh, I, I don't actually don't know which came first, but I'm imagining that the uh, conventional farming tractor farming uh, uh, model would have would get, would have given rise to this. But I don't know that particular part of the story. But out in Shipshawana, there's a, a man named Maynard Miller who has a, he's an Amish man and, and he uh, sells farm equipment and he's a dealer for a lot of different farm equipment manufacturers around the country, but he developed something called a culti mulcher uh, a number of years ago. And it's, it's a, it's a, it's a piece of equipment that's used for seedbed preparation. It has, uh, it has what we call harrows on it. In other yeah. words, it's, it's, it, uh, it breaks up the clods and then behind the harrows are uh, a basket roller that comes along. And he developed this for horse, horse farming and now it's been copied many times by other manufacturers, and it's become really, really important part of the fabric of, of seabed preparation on horse farms all over the country. Uh, and then there's companies like Whitehorse Machine who have developed a uh, plow. Now, of course, a plow is not a new piece of equipment, but um, what the Whitehorse uh, did many, many years ago is they developed a plow that was um, hydraulically controlled by uh, using the power as it, as it rolled over the ground. So as the wheels went around, um, it had a pump on the or it had a sprocket on the inside of the wheel that would hit a pump and the pump would build up pressure and they still make this one. The pump builds up pressure in a canister and then the plow is controlled up and down sideways uh, draft and all that with uh, the, the touch of a lever or the or uh, on the ground on the floor of the of the uh, plow, uh, you know, with one's foot with the driver's foot or, or with a hand but mostly with foot control. So the, the driver's keeping the, the lines in his hands and paying attention to his horses and controlling the use of the plow with his feet. And, and it's instantaneous. There's, a, there's no muscle. There's no effort involved on, on the part of the driver. This is entirely new uh, kind of, uh, um, um, you know, uh, mechanics on uh, a horse-drawn plow. Never, <clears throat> that was never even conceived or done back when, uh, when uh, Cyrus McCormick and John Deere were building and Oliver's were building plows. So that's that kind of thing, that innovation on the equipment is very much a part 
of horse progress stage equipment. I could say a lot more about that. That's very, very, cool. very. Yeah. That is neat. And I was wondering too, because you know we think about the Amish, because obviously we we know that they're still yeah. they're still using horses to plow, and I'm sure they're a big part of this event. Right. But that led to another they question are. with the advent of all of the organic farms and organic farmers that are yes. trying to do it naturally and are starting to use horses that never used horses before. Has that yeah. has that made this more popular? Is it growing? It's growing, uh, and, and it is pretty much the interest uh, from outside the Amish communities that would be um, would be the most, well, I, I don't want to say the most significant, but uh, notable. I'd right. say the most notable. Uh, it is very, very heavily supported, of course, by Amish uh, uh, attendees, and manufacturing manufacturers are almost all Amish. There are some, uh, a few that will bring pieces that, that are not Amish who are, who are also, uh, you know, experimenting with things in their shops, but... By and large, and especially the main, the main, uh, the main manufacturers like Pioneer Equipment in Ohio and Whitehorse Machine in, in Gap, Pennsylvania, I and J and Gap, and a, and a number of others around the area, um, uh, they would all be Amish. Uh, and of course, what happened here? This is an interesting part of the story too. I think what happened was that uh, as tractors began to take over in the fifties, and of course, well, late forties and into the fifties. Uh, and got bigger and bigger. The equipment that was used with the tractors, of course, got bigger and bigger, and to the extent that it you know, wasn't usable with horses anymore. So the first thing that happened was uh, the Amish uh, menu for entrepreneurs, farmers, uh, uh, the manure spreaders, new idea manure spreader was one of the last things that they were able to buy from, from uh, manufacturers outside of their community. Although, of course, they buy balers and things. So there are things that they still buy, but the basic equipment... Um, the manure spreaders were the first to go, so that's the first thing they started to make in their in their sheds out behind the barn, and that's and then you know the the uh, they they develop uh, business models and keep on building and growing, and it just keeps growing on itself. It's very interesting, yeah. Do you do you get a lot of people who just come out? I mean, people who have nothing to do with with farming. Are there spectators that come out just to see what it's all about? Well, of course there are, especially as, as the event gets more and more visibility. But we are very, very focused on, on our target um, target audience. We do not advertise in, in tourist publications. In fact, the last time that the event was here in Pennsylvania, the newspaper local newspaper called and said, we'd like to do a story. This was before the event, and we think we could probably help your attendance. And I said, well, thank you, but I'd much prefer you to report on the event after the fact because we are so focused on our audience, we, we advertise, of course, in publications like Draft Horse Journal and Rural Heritage Small Farmers Journal, and Lancaster Farming is a big publication here yeah. in our area. Oh, yeah. Um, so is it we still focus as thick on, as it always was? The, it was like 12,000 pages. Oh, every thicker, than, <laughs> thicker than ever. <laughs> it's, it's huge. You know, Lancaster Newspapers has actually bought it out a number of years ago, so it's now under the umbrella of what would have been the Intelligence of Journal when you were here. Yeah, but Lancaster that's right. Newspapers yeah. Now, now, yeah. That's fine. Well, and- mm-hmm. And when you talk about lots of people coming to this event, some of my notes say that at any given time, you've had over 30,000 people come through and, and see what well, you have to offer. Right. That's in two days. So it's a two-day event. And generally, uh, Friday will be the bigger attendance. So that 32,000 would be spread over two days. But yes. Still. Um, Ohio. <laughs> a lot of people. Any yeah. horse oh, yeah. show would love to have yeah, that many people. <laughs> I know. Yeah, it's amazing. It's amazing. Yeah, it well, really is. You started this whole event in 1994. So as you see it from the beginning to today, did you have any idea about the growth and, and how big you were going to actually be? 
Actually, just a correction there, Lisa. I did not start it. Uh, it started here in Pennsylvania by uh, a man who was a good friend of mine and my family, Elmer Lapp, who was he was a non-Amishman who would have had Amish background, but not not uh, was no longer Amish, but kept breeding Belgians for all his life and kept farming with horses all his life, even while all his neighbors and contemporaries were switching to tractors. And he saw what was happening here in, in, in uh, the, you know, the local community with, with regard to horse farming equipment. And it's his idea. Then he approached Maury Tallinn and the, the, the uh, Draft Horse and Mule Association, the North American Draft Horse and Mule Association was still operating. And, and it sort of started under the auspices of that organization. Uh, I got involved pretty heavily in the late 90s. It started in 94, so I wasn't involved real heavily in the first number of years, but sure. I've been involved pretty much since 98, 99. And as far as your question as to what it would grow to or what it would become, no. I don't think anyone, uh, including Morris Celine. Morris uh, of the Draft Horse Journal was Mari, we called him. Of course, you knew him, Lisa. Uh, yeah, exactly. Maybe Glenn, too, I don't know, but yeah, uh, he was a great guy. And I call him a little giant in the in the Draft Horse world. He gave tremendous coverage to the event from the very beginning. And, and, and one of the statements that he made is this is an event that should travel around to various parts of the country, like it's uh, tractor farming contemporary uh, uh, counterpart and uh, should not be lost. And, and, and uh, I don't think he, he, he knew what he was saying, but it, it's exactly what happened. Uh, right. Of course that, that was an inspiration for it, but uh, the reason it travels to different areas is because it's really unique in that way too, because then it takes on the flavor of the local community. So, there's a national board that 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 is a resource to the local planners, but the, it's a very organic um, uh, organization in terms of how it's carried out. The local community uh, is the one that makes it work. Wow! Uh, so it it uh, it's gained a lot of uh, special little features, like you know, at, at in the beginning there was no children's event, um, and 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 there were no activities for you know mothers and 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 uh, homemakers. Uh, but some, you know, one area would add that, and then it became, then it becomes part of the fabric of the uh, of the event, and and other areas keep including it. So it it builds on itself like that, and it it gains strength from from the various areas that it that it's uh, well, you know, that, it, that it's held if it in. takes yeah. on the flavor of the area it's in, you better darn well have shoe fly pie there next year. <laughs> I, uh, um, yeah, I'm sure there will be fly <laughs> pie and will be pies. <laughs> yeah, there better be whoopie pies too. You know what? We, you know, ever since I moved yeah. to f- outside of Pennsylvania, live in Florida now, there uh-huh. you cannot get a whoopie okay, pie yeah. that tastes any good. I know. Uh, it, 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 yeah, it's just the place to get them is Lancaster County. I'm yeah. sorry, that's the best place to get it whoopie is. pies. This is we're running out of time. Yeah, it's June thirtieth and July first, okay. and that's yeah. you can find more details at horseprogressdays.com. Just go to horseprogressdays.com. Com. If you're in Pennsylvania, Maryland, in that area, and you want to come out as a spectator they can do that right oh absolutely yeah, everyone okay. is welcome you bet all right that'll be terrific absolutely. and before you go I, I i have a story to tell you because dale is also the secretary okay. of the pennsylvania draft horse sale committee and and mm-hmm. they're one of our sponsors and we're going to talk about them a little later in the show i the percherons i've owned over the years have come from the pennsylvania draft horse sale now this is years ago perfect. I brought, mm-hmm. uh, you're going to love this story, because there's always hundreds of draft yeah. horses there. And yeah. I brought friends, good friends of ours, business partners of ours, uh, the husband and wife, who, who were not into horses. But they wanted to come along because they knew okay. I wanted to buy a horse that day. And we were there, and we looked at the horses that I was interested in, picked out a couple. And this sale started, what, 8, 9 in the morning. 
It was five o'clock in the afternoon. I bought the second Ooh. to last horse that went through that oh, sale, my. and I thought they were going to kill me. Um, <laughs> but you know, I, I said in the middle of the afternoon, "You guys oh. can leave," and they were like, "We're in it this far." So, oh uh, <laughs> yeah, 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 you're, yes, yeah, right, right, yeah, uh huh, yeah, that was interesting. My... Yeah, did they turn out okay? Did it? Did oh yeah, we right? love those horses. They were terrific. Oh, oh yeah, oh, good, no problem. Oh wonderful. Yeah, and they're so cool. It's just such a fun auction. It really is. It really is a fun auction. Oh good. Yeah. When yeah, now we have three rings going at once. Uh, we have draft horses, we have harness horses, and we have Morgan horses. Harness horses are, you know, standard breads and Dutch crosses mainly, but it's really, really, I mean, if you like horses, anyone who likes horses should be there. I, I have to tell you, though, to be honest, I, I am not allowed uh, yeah. to go anymore, Dale, oh. uh, because oh, my, yeah, okay. yeah, I got this problem called a wife. And uh, now, now. She, yeah. she will not let me go anymore because I always <laughs> oh, buy something. Okay. It's kind of interesting. Your draft horse sale is going on at uh, the Farm Show Complex, which is the same place that I just yep. did um, the Keystone show from. Absolutely. And I'll be flying out there in January to do um, your state oh. show, your farm show. So right. you and well, I have is... known each other for a long time. I've watched you uh, in the right. show ring many times back there in Pennsylvania. Huh? Uh, yeah, and I've I've been yeah I've I've enjoyed the, your uh, voice many times uh, in announcing too. So this event, uh, the draft horse sale, is the week following the farm show. The very next week. I was going to say it's really too. early this year. To have you. Yeah, the, it's January seventeenth and eighteenth. Yeah. It's at the Pennsylvania Farm yeah. Show Complex. Yeah. Um, and you know, when we were going years ago, they had Percheron. They had the draft horses, Percherons, Belgians mostly, mm -hmm. some Clydesdales, and mm -hmm. then they also had mm -hmm. halflingers when we went the last time. Right, right. Uh, and so this, yes, is, the they're gone. Yeah, they're gone. Yeah. Okay. Uh, but then we had one year with only drafts, and then and then some uh, some harness horse people said, "Hey, why don't we?" work together and it's been very successful uh it, and then and then the morgans there's a morgan committee too now we're the the draft horse people the Pennsylvania draft horse sale committee takes care of the harness horse and draft horse part of the sale the morgans are a separate committee they're from the same people from the same community in fact i used to be on that committee i no longer am but we all know each other we all work together we get we get big crowds for that too it's well, very, yeah, very you fun. know, I think Morgans are kind of coming back a little bit. Of course, Morgans were one oh, of the yeah. top driving carriage pleasure horses for a long, long time. And right. then they kind of, you know, they kind of dropped off a little bit there for a while. But now I'm hearing a lot more about the Morgans than I have in recent years. Yeah, uh, yeah. yeah, good. Well, but so, we want to remind any of our listeners want to get a horse consigned because you can't go buy a horse if these uh, good people don't send the horses there to the sale. And the deadline's coming up, right. correct? coming up November 15th. November so anybody 15th, right? interested mm -hmm. in, in getting a horse to this sale to make it, it it's a well-run show. It's a very professional show or sale and lots of people attend. It's a different time of the year. It's early. So it kind of kickstarts getting those horses early so you can get them ready for all the summer shows. Mm -hmm. right. And good point, Lisa. We mm -hmm. had trouble getting ours on the trailer that night. This the second one we bought because oh. he was only eighteen months old. And oh yeah, you never have. You're never short. An Amishman came up and said, "Let me take it." He walked him right, right. in. <laughs> so it was like <laughs> you're never going to have any trouble there. There's, There's lots of horse people that know good. what they're doing better than we do. Um, yeah, so that's, that's cool. True. So the first is Horse Progress Days. That's June thirtieth to July first the next year mm -hmm. in Leola, mm -hmm. Pennsylvania. The beautiful Lancaster. 
Windsor County, and you have to go eat at the Shady Maple Smorgasbord right down the road. Oh when you're yeah, there. I'm yeah. going there. I'm going for dinner tonight. I oh, there, there you go. I haven't eaten there in years. Uh, and then the PA Draft Horse Sale.com is where you can find the information if you have a horse to consign or you want to check it out. It's the week after the Pennsylvania Farm Show, the largest indoor agricultural show in the country. That's January 17th and 18th. Well, look, we killed two birds with one stone. Thank you, Dale. Good Thank to visit you with you, Dale. It's been a pleasure. All right. Take care. You too. Hope to see you soon. I'll see you at Harrisburg. Yeah. You too. Thank you. Bye-bye. Oh, I'd love to go back, but Jennifer won't let me. I was going to say, Glenn, <laughs> keep Jennifer busy at home and just sneak right up there. And, yeah, and it's, but I'd no have to try and difference. sneak the checkbook out, too, and I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> Haven't uh, you heard the saying about it's easier to get forgiveness? <laughs> yeah, but I don't know that counts if you're bringing home a 2,000-pound animal. I don't, I don't know. Uh, probably. Uh, that's probably a lot of forgiveness, right. Lisa. <laughs> <laughs> you know, one of the reasons that we I haven't gotten a draft horse again here in Florida is hay is so expensive. Oh, uh, I can't I can't even imagine what is a what is a bail uh, going we'll pay for fifteen dollars for for you know an average uh, half decent bail that in Pennsylvania you'd spend four dollars for. Oh my goodness! Yeah. I know. I just this weekend while I'm in Vegas, my son Austin he's out getting getting stocked up for the winter time, and I think we're paying right at three dollars for for a nice mixed bail. Oh, that so, mixed bail would be fifteen dollars down here. If you're buying alfalfa mixes, you're in the twenty to twenty five range. That's crazy. I, and again, I don't know how some people afford it when you when you think of Ocala and that area being the horse capital of Florida and. And we're always seeing truckloads of hay heading that way. I, it, it, I don't know. You they have didn't say pocket. it was the cheapest uh, horse capital of the world. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> not something oh. they said. Well, I think Brian's ready for you if you want to introduce him. All right, Brian. We're going to be talking to Mr. Brian Lynch. He is He's kind of a versatile guy in our draft horse industry. He's a horseshoer. He's a judge. He's an exhibitor. Um, he's a husband. He's a dad. He is the all-around package, and, and he promotes Pertrans like no one else. So we're going to welcome Mr. Brian Lynch onto our show. Brian, are you there? I am here. Thanks for having me. Well, I, I hope I didn't forget anything, but... Horseshoer, draft horse exhibitor, family man—you kind of have it all going on. And and I was when we were looking that you were coming as a guest. I I think it's kind of funny. You and I have done some shows together in in the last three weeks. You were the judge out at the big show in Mona, Utah, one of one of the prettiest shows that we'll ever have a chance to to be at with the scenery. You were you were a judge there, and then I flew into Harrisburg, and and you were an exhibitor there. So kind of versatile in the roles that you're playing. Uh, we always say around here, we definitely don't look for things to do. They seem to find us. We stay pretty busy. <laughs> well, but I think... It, uh, yeah, that uh, Utah show, it was pretty much get home uh, from there and appease a few shoeing customers, keep the fires at bay, and then head down to Harrisburg to exhibit some halter horses. So that was a busy, busy stretch there. It was, and I have to tell our listeners, because a lot of our listeners follow me on Facebook, and they see all the troubles I have at airports, and... You know, I'm on a plane all the time, but you flew home from Salt Lake City. You were flying home with a full schedule, and you text me in the middle of the morning and, and tell us what happened there. Oh, that got a little hectic. My uh, flight was one of the, uh, I guess about mid, mid-afternoon, supposed to be leaving Salt Lake City, and I only had about a 30-minute layover at O'Hare, which would be doable if everything ran like a well-oiled machine. But unfortunately, the plane in Salt Lake had mechanical troubles, and that delayed me going to O'Hare and uh, actually got on the 
phone with my wife, who was fortunate enough to get things kind of ironed out a little bit and let me know a flight availability because they weren't real helpful at the desk, thinking I was going to have to stay overnight in Chicago and uh, basically got off the plane at O'Hare and I think probably broke the land speed record from <laughs> one extreme terminal to the next. I say to the next one end of the airport to the next and literally made it with about two people getting on the plane. So uh, yeah, it, it's, uh, it's, it was a little stressful, but we were able to get home. It, uh, mm-hmm. Things don't always go as planned in life. And and you said you had to get home because you had to get horses shod for customers and for yourself because you were actually going to be showing in Harrisburg and leaving the next day. Exactly. So. And uh, customers come first. And of course, the old adage, the shoemaker's children come last. So oftentimes we're shoeing or resetting our own uh, oftentimes moments before they get on the trailer to head to the show kind of. Just the way life goes sometimes. Well, we're going to talk about the horseshoeing. And, and I know probably a, not a lot of people in, in our age group, when they're young, wake up and say, hey, when I grow up, I'm going to be a horseshoer. But it seems that that was kind of in your blood. And you had a benefit because you were out on the East Coast because Brian is joining us from Goshen, Connecticut. And you grew up around two people that were extremely well-known horseshoers. And I think if we ever write a book about the draft horse industry and who's who, the Chris brothers would have their own chapter because they literally were icons in the shoeing world. And they not only did a, a great number of horses, they were just good folks with good hearts that helped a lot of people out with their horseshoeing. So the Chris brothers of Bethany, Connecticut were your mentors. Tell us kind of how you got started in, in horseshoeing. Well, sometimes fate, uh, things just kind of come together for some people, and I was lucky enough that things came together for me. I literally started off as their paper boy, uh, lived a couple houses down. I always joked my longest commute to work was their quarter-mile-long driveway. Uh, <laughs> one day I finally got up the guts and was curious about these horses in the, the field where I delivered the newspaper to, and... Um, I guess I was about 11 years old and went down and asked if they had any work. And they had a stall that probably hadn't been cleaned in a few weeks. And they gave me a wheelbarrow pitchfork and uh, said, come down on Sunday. And I cleaned that stall. And I said, what's next? And they said, come back next week. And uh, I did. And one thing kind of led to another and was extremely fortunate to have them take me under their wing and basically raise me right on up through... uh, I don't know, I guess I apprenticed with them, started off after school weekends, et cetera. And then, of course, every living, breathing moment, you weren't in school <laughs> and summers and um, start going on the road, shooing with them 14, about 14 years old. You kind of help, you know, carry tools, hold horses, this, that, the other thing. And uh, by 15, was going with them. 16 was a milestone because I could actually drive the shoeing truck. That was a big deal. <laughs> right. And, uh, Worked with them right up. So, you know, kind of weaned, weaned things little by little. I mean, it was full-time, definitely, from right out of high school through, oh, about 24, 25 years old when we got married and kind of moved up towards Goshen. And it would work, you know, a few days less, this and that. And then finally, you know, built up my own business and with right. their blessing went out on my own. Well, and, and, you know, for all of our listeners that do subscribe to the Draft Horse Journal, when you open... The first page of the Draft Horse Journal, the Crizzes always have that inside cover. And and from myself being a little girl, 
you always look to see what horses they had to offer. But one thing that you always looked for was that pile of horseshoes that they had at their house. And when I talk about a pile, I'm not talking about a two foot or three foot pile. Is that pile still there? And how big is it? Oh, it is. And it definitely doesn't shrink it. It still grows. Uh, basically what we'd always do is at the end of a day of shoeing in, in their heyday, when Johnny and Joe were alive and, uh, Johnny's two sons, Timmy and Glenn, and Joe's son, Little Joe, as we referred to him. Uh, there was five of them, and they each had an apprentice or two with them. So five shoeing rigs would leave there each morning, and five would come home each evening. And a pile of horses would get done, and all the used shoes would go on what we refer to as the pile. Um, kind of a very interesting story that pile had started um, from Johnny and Joe's father. Johnny and Joe, if I stand correct, were the seventh generation of farriers. Their father emigrated from Czechoslovakia. Uh, Timmy, Glenn, and Joe would have been the eighth generation. And I know Timmy's son, Cody, is with him being the ninth generation now. Wow. Uh, truly a family, family? tradition. Exactly. Uh, in 1955, there was a major flood that wiped out their shop uh, completely. Their father's shop, I should say, Johnny and Joe's. And uh, they regrouped at that point, gathered what they could, and uh, moved uh, basically, oh, two miles maybe in the town of Seymour, just to higher ground. And uh, basically the pile was created there. That's where it started. And I remember at some point for Father's Day, the boys got together for Johnny and Joe and hired a dump truck to move what was the pile at that point up to the farm and uh, where they have settled and, and still are today, where Timmy runs the farm. And the pile's just been added to and added to. It literally, if you parked a semi-truck next to it, pipe-wise, would dwarf the semi-truck. Um, it's it? probably got to be the biggest pile in existence, I would think. Oh, that, that's and, just uh, crazy. It was never real fun to, to climb the pile. You'd have a ladder <laughs> going up the back, generally, and you'd stick a rasp into the shoes, kind of, and that's what would help hold more shoes from rolling down but uh, one definitely wanted to be paying attention when they went up that pile between uh, <laughs> like draft and horse sharp horse nails <laughs> and this and that yes you wouldn't you wouldn't want to tumble down that pile you'd be carrying some hardware when you finally <laughs> ended up on the ground i think that's funny Good goodness well and so you went from i'm learning all this stuff i thought i knew you but you went from being a paper boy to an apprentice to to becoming actually a part of their family and and always around the cruises, and, and the cruises are still out there shooing, right? I mean, the, the next generations yes, are taking yes, over. Uh, yeah, Johnny and Joe have passed away now. Uh, they were, I mean, just to, to get to grow up around them was, I don't know, monumental. They were literally World War II veterans that shot in the cavalry in the Philippines. And uh, the stories they had were just typical of anything uh i guess my best advice to young kids would be pay attention to those old timers because before you know it they're not around and uh with them goes a lot of history exactly uh, truly we're walking walking historians absolutely well we're going to talk about the draft horse in the shoeing because we we talk about the hit shows the halter shows but the horses in the show arena wouldn't be what they are without that work on their foundation. And when I'm announcing, I always talk about the judge does look at the foundation of the horse, the, the legs, the hocks, the ankles, the feet. And to get those feet and get those horses sound and shod properly, 
It's a technique. We're talking now going back that you've learned from some of the best. But when you look at all of the horses that are out there right now competing, it takes a farrier for each of those farms to, to do regular maintenance and, and to keep those feet in shape and in condition. So my big question always is, is cost. I know you travel all around, but for an average listener, how are your prices on the East Coast compared to, to prices going out into the Midwest and to the Western? And how do they compare to a light horse? Uh, there's definitely variables, uh, like you said, due to uh, region. Uh, the Northeast, as a rule for everything, I always say it's based around New York City. Everything seems more expensive in the Northeast. Uh, you talk to folks in California, it's the same way based around L.A. I truly believe those two cities uh, can help dictate the economy in their region. Um, everything is the cost of living. Everything is more expensive here. Therefore, for us to chew a horse in this, this area, it costs us as a, as a farrier more to do the horse, be it insurance, be it price of fuel, travel, etc., so it really varies. I mean, there are so many different types of shoeing with the draft horse. It's amazing how diverse uh, the shoeing tactics even are. Everything from a pulling horse to, uh, say, a carriage horse. Uh, most most all of the horses need traction of some sort. So you're adding, be it uh, drill tech, borium, or some sort of driven-in carbide stud. That adds to the cost. Most horses, as a rule, if they're being used on any sort of street or uh, where they're exposed to anything, you're going to pad them at least in front. So that all, all those things add up as opposed to your average light horse, maybe a big deal is to drill and tap a horse, um, you know, so you can put screw in studs in them. But, you know, your average keg shot horse is four plain shoes that you modify to a degree. Uh, scotch bottoms, of course, you're adding pads and just a more expensive shoe material wise altogether. Now, okay, so Brian, everybody, everybody wants to know that's listening. All of the average horse owners who don't have draft horses listening right now want to know what's horse shoes cost. It it really again it, it varies, but some people will charge material, uh, you know, just just labor, as and then you buy the shoes, you furnish the shoes because just the shoes alone. Say if you were going to set up a a draft horse and you wanted to go uh, show that horse. You know, go to your local county fair. Even you're looking at uh, roughly thirty-six to forty dollars per pair. So that's you know times two right. to put four shoes. Then you're looking at a set of you know some are double padded. If you do that, pads are anywhere from fifteen to twenty dollars a pair. And then if you add traction, you know, be it Borium or Drill Tech, a lot of people charge a dollar a dot. Uh, as they refer to it, and you put one on each hill and at least two or three in front. So it, it adds up. I mean, just that's just in material. Uh, and then a lot of guys are anywhere from 125 to $200 in labor. Uh, so you're, so looking, you're looking at all depends. Yeah, 250 you know, to 300 well maybe? 300. Yeah. Yep, yep, to get a wow. horse set up. And in the Midwest, sometimes it's cheaper. A lot of people will provide the service, and you provide all the material. So, um Right. If that's the case, a guy will show up, and if you have everything right there, maybe they'll charge you 100 125 minimum to, to shoe that horse, and then obviously the shoes can stay with the horse. Oftentimes, if a, a horse isn't getting used on, the say, the road a ton, you can get a year or two out of those shoes. You can reset them the following year, depending on how much the horses are being driven and such. 
Hmm. So, so and, uh, and yeah, just man. a just a little trivia as we were coming down to Vegas yesterday, we stopped at Young Living Farms in Mona, and Brian, it sure looks empty with without all those twelve hitches there. But they had their horseshoe in there, and he was working in and Norman Yoder shoes for them. And we asked, I asked specifically, asked him the prices out on the West Coast, and he talked about anywhere from three hundred to three hundred fifty dollars as an average farrier call per horse, just just to have oh, him out he, there to do the work. That way, and. And that could be, um, you know, even just cake shoes around here a lot. I'm talking a cake shoe, meaning around, you know, just a, your average work shoe for, say, that carriage team or whatnot. Uh, one thing that's always interesting, people say, well, geez, why so much? And it's amazing. Uh, the transition, I always say if I had a full day of shoeing draft horses and then I transition to light horses, as we refer to them, the, the first horse of the light horse day, you almost tipped them over picking up the foot because <laughs> you're so used to just having to. You know, right. latch onto that draft horse. And, and I always say when you're under a draft horse, literally they blink their eye and you feel it. Any little movement you can feel, there's just so much mass. I mean, if the average human is 200 pounds and the average draft or, you know, the bigger ones are at 2,000 pounds, that's quite a ratio that you're, you're underneath. I was saying you're charging so, more and, uh, for your for your uh, chiropractic <laughs> back therapy is what you're charging more for. Oh, it's, and, and to be honest, a draft horse farrier, in my opinion, it's a, it's a much shorter career if you work solely on draft horses. Uh, I always said, like I mentioned the Chris brothers earlier, uh, God bless the poor person that had to keep up with them when they were in their, say, 20s and 30s, because when they were 70 and I was 21, it was a chore keeping up with them, but they were pretty darn unique. You don't see a lot of people much past 50, 60 that are going to be shoeing draft horses for a livelihood. It is, it's tough wear and tear. And that's one thing that customers never really can relate to is the fact, I always say a uh, uh, body is kind of like a car. A car has so many miles in it and a body has so many horses in it. And it depends if you want to use it all up at, at once and do a pile of horses, or if you want to spread things out and do, less horses over a longer period of time um, wow, crazy. and it is obviously can be a, a dangerous dangerous line of work uh with the horses they are unpredictable obviously at times so you're pretty vulnerable when you're crouched down underneath two thousand pounds of horse flesh and and i'm going to go on a limb and say you're probably never short of work it seems like there's always a demand for a good farrier out there oh there's there and especially like say in this area for a draft horse farrier just because uh, a lot of guys I'd say 90% of the farriers will look at a draft horse and say, let someone else do them. I mean, you're looking in this area for a light horse, you're looking at 185 on up to just put four cake shoes on a horse that you could literally do in half the time and half the energy exertion of doing a, a draft horse. So it's right. uh, economically, like I say, I do them because obviously I have them and it's, kind of my passion, but uh, economically, I do much better going out and shooting light horses well, Brian, than I would. We're running out of time, horses. and my back hurts just talking to you. So, um, <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much for joining us. I know you've been on our shows uh, over the years, and we really appreciate that what we call uh, you guys come on, and, and I love following your Facebook page. You can look up uh, Utopia Percherons on Facebook. Go to utopiapercherons.com website. Uh, the baby pictures are always so much fun to see. So... Thank you so much for joining us and giving us a little insight into the farrier side of the draft world. Thanks for having me. You guys All have right. a good day. All right. Thanks, Take care. Brian. Yep. Bye-bye.
Well, that was a lot of fun to to hear about that. Wow. I mean, but he's right. It's just a lot more work and it's a lot harder on your body. Exactly. And and I thought you'd like the story about the airport because the best laid plans never go as they would. And I remember getting that call that morning from Brian saying, how far are you from the airport? If I have to spend the night, can I come over? And I said, yes, but just have faith. Airports don't always let you down. You'll get home. And, and he got home in time to do his customers and then to set his. And, and the next day we saw him in the show arena at Harrisburg. So he was, he was hustling. Well, let's uh, talk a little bit about the Clydesdale Breeders of the United States. Exciting news from the Clydesdale Breeders of the USA. They have committed to hosting the next World Clydesdale Show just two years from now. In 2018, the World's Clydesdale Show will be heading back to the Alliant Energy Center in Madison, Wisconsin, where it was held in 2007 and 2011. The Madison area is a great city to embrace the 2018 World Clydesdale Show with camping on site and hotels within walking distance of the facility. Facility, and that doesn't always happen. More than 800 Bonnie Clydes will be on hand in the latest state-of-the-art facilities, totaling 290,000 square feet of indoor space, replacing the nine former ag barns. Plenty of space for the arenas, brand new box stalls, pre-function arenas, vendor spacing, and more. The breed's best will be on hand to partake in well over 100 competitions. Mark your calendars, make your plans, and set your goals now for the for the event to the World's Clydesdale Show, and stay abreast of the updates of the 2018 World's Clydesdale Show on the Clydesdale Breeders website at ClydeUSA.com. That's Clydes, C-L-Y-D-E-S-U-S-A.com. And Glenn, for some of your listeners that are riders of the, the Clydesdales and the Gentle Giants, some big announcements, because I'm I'm now on that World Show committee. Oh, cool. Um, we've added a lot of classes that are, are for those people that own just one or two horses or that like to ride. We have added pleasure classes, riding classes. We're going to have pole bending and barrel racing and also dressage, all for the Clydesdales. And the big announcement is they're now offering over $95,000 in premium money. Wow. For riders, so, that's terrific. You know, riders no, are that's really... that's overall. Overall, overall okay. I was going to say, just for the riders, that's really good. <laughs> so they'd all be going out and buying a riding horse. Yeah, you'd be out there doing barrel racing, too. <laughs> yeah, for a standalone show to offer 95000 is tremendous. But also, the Clydesdales are ready to just showcase the versatility and, and bring in the riders and the dressage. And if you've never seen a 2,000-pound Clydesdale doing a dressage performance... It, it's just amazing, and so that's all going to be part of that upcoming world show I think it's in two thousand eighteen. One of the fastest growing areas of uh, the the draft world is there's a lot of people who who never owned a draft before that are getting them and riding them now. So it's it's uh, it's it's so, certainly good for the industry. And, and it is. It's and to go back to the Western Heritage to watch a Clydesdale doing barrel racing. Yeah, that's fun. You know, you're out here at the PBR <laughs> or at the NFR, and you're watching these ladies doing times of thirteen seconds. Well, here you have the Clydesdale, 2,000 pounds, coming in, kind of galloping along, and they might get a time of 35 seconds, but it's fun. It's, it's fun to watch them doing the barrel racing. Well, we're going to have one of the younger competitors coming on in a minute, but first we have to take a break for our song of the day, uh, and then we'll be back also. Uh, we're going to be talking to Hattie, right? Hattie is 15 Hattie. years old, and she was the uh, recent North American uh Belgian Grand Champion Youth Exhibitor at the North American Belgian Championships. There was too many championships in there. <laughs> so uh, we'll be right back. Okay.
office is the world outside His desk, the tractor that he Over the last 30 years, the Penwoods Equine product line has grown from its original groundbreaking vitamin and mineral mix to include 26 products. As the market has changed and the nutritional science has evolved, so has Penwood Equine's product line, with quality supplements that support joint, hoof, performance, digestive, growth, and breeding health. Yet one thing still remains that separates Penwood's Equine from the competition. Every one of their products contains a large dose of common sense. Penwood's Equine products are available at Shipshawana Harness and Supplies or Ask for Penwood's Equine Products at your local tack and feed supplier. For more information, you can call them at 800-255-3066 or visit them online at penwoods.com. 
Well, uh, thank you for them for their uh, for joining us on here on the Draft Horse Show, brought to you by the Draft Horse Journal. Of course, we have to talk a minute here, Lisa, about the Draft Horse Journal. If you're not getting that yet, you should be. If you yeah, like, shame it, on you. Yeah, anyway. shame on you if you're not looking at the mailbox at, uh, four times a year, waiting to get your Draft Horse Journal because. Um, the the good issue coming, every issue is good and great, but coming up now, the winter issues, it kind of gives you time to sit back and read the articles. And uh, it, it is actually what we always refer to as the Bible of our industry. And if you're looking for entertainment value, it, it's so inexpensive. I mean, I think it's $30, $30 or so a year. $35. You, yep. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's dinner out for one person, but this is history in the making. Each one of our draft horse journals, that's my one of my biggest issues with having a 16-year-old that's horse crazy. He finds every back issue. He went to an auction not too long ago, and, and I bet he got 600 different draft horse journal issues. Some are duplicates, some are not, but going all the way back to the beginning. And his room now is just is just full of the draft horse journals. And it's like I said, it's history. You can go back and reread those articles. And each time you read an article, you learn something from it. Or or just to go back and do trivia and see who was advertising in the 60s and is their family still advertising now in, in this century. And it's just a tremendous magazine. The pictures and the editorials and it's all done professionally. It's all done classy. It, it's just a, something that everybody should have, and especially now coming up for Christmas. If you have somebody that's hard to hard to buy for, call Lynn at the Draft Horse Journal and get them a subscription. A subscription, and it's something that that they'll treasure all year long. And you can find them at the Draft Horse Journal. It's just drafthorsejournal dot com. Draft Horse Journal. Dot com. We appreciate them helping to put on this show. They book all the guests and do all the work, and uh, we really appreciate it. Well, we have a guest coming up I'm very excited about. Her name is Hattie Westerfield. Westerfeld. She, yep. She is the Grand Champion Youth Exhibitor at the North American Belgian Championships, and that's kind of cool. I think she's coming to us from school right now. Good morning, Hattie. <laughs> Good morning. How are you? Okay. Are you at school right now? Yes, I am. I'm sitting in a conference room. How did so you, are you get, like? How did you I'm get out to talk to us? I'm an yeah. SRT. Jeez. <laughs> yes, this is a lot better than school. <laughs> <laughs> well, congratulations, by the way. Terrific. Thank you. Yes, it was. It was something. Yes. Well, and uh, now, was it a huge trophy? What'd you get for being for being the grand champion youth? Um, I got a. It's a. It's like a director's chair that has like the grand champion youth exhibitor like um, embroidered in the back of it. It's really cool. And have you yeah. done a thousand selfies in it now? <laughs> well, um, my friend Chantel, who um, owns like the business. She actually took um, the back of it and is embroidering my name on it. And of then it's going to return it to me at Louisville. Uh-huh. Yes. So not yet, but <laughs> soon to come, yes. <laughs> well, tell us first about your family. I assume you're not the first Belgian uh, person in the family. Um, no. Um, we actually started in 1984, and my grandma and grandpa bought two pair, uh, I mean, a pair of horses. They were actually geldings at that point. I mean, we have mares now. Um, But then my, they showed and then about five years ago, my grandpa passed away and then my mom and dad like took over the business and me and my brother had to really step up and help at that point. 
so that we could still going, still keep going. Um, the year after was hard for us to all like, um, get into our roles and stuff. But, um, so it's me and my mom and dad and grandma and brother. And then I have a little sister and we all do it together. And then we have this year, Travis Fox has joined us, um, and has helped us out a lot. Um, and I bet Travis has brought a lot everything. of excitement to your show. I, showing with Travis <laughs> is like adding a whole new dimension. I bet I bet he's had a had a great time and kept you laughing all the time. Oh yes, of course. On the thirteen hour trip to Massachusetts, Dad said it was a lot easier with Travis because he kept <laughs> kept him awake the whole time. Uh, yes, yeah. and having two Travises there, my mom said she really likes it because she'll just yell Travis and then. One of them will answer because my dad's <laughs> name's also Travis. Now, for people that don't know how that works, were you driving a single, a pair, a four? What were you driving? Um, well, we drive up to the six, um, and then we like drive the four, which is four out in front, the unicorn. And then for the youth, we drive the cart, which is one, and then a team, which is two hooked onto a wagon. And then we also do like halter classes where we like run the horse and like we have like a pattern that we have like that we run. And then also the decorating class, which is where we like roll the mane, which is like basically a French braid with only two strands and then tie the tail and then also do the four tops. So then we are and then also we have the at this show, they have the judging class, too, which is where you judge them. And then another, um, like a real judge judges them, and then you figure out which um, which paper is closest to the judges. So, so how did how did you place in all of the classes? You obviously were at the top. Did you win, like junior showmanship? That that's a big deal, and you jumped up to a new age category this year. So how how did you place in the showmanship? In showmanship, I got third behind my brother. And oh, Abraham, man. Abraham won, okay, that and then stinks. I got second, and then, no, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But then yes. you came back, and you were in decorating, and how did you place in decorating? I won the decorating class. Was your brother second? Then, well, no, Lane <laughs> doesn't really do decorating. That's not okay. one of his things, because gotcha. me, we all have, like, our little jobs, and, like, mine's, like, the decorating of the horses before we go in, and then. Travis, Travis, and Lane are the ones that like to do all the harnessing. So Lane doesn't do the decorating much unless he has to go into the class sure. or like an overall. But he wasn't in the other two classes. He wasn't in the cart in the team. Because, so how, did, um, how did you do because, in the team, what, in the team class? How did you do in that class? Um, the team class, I got second. Okay. Um, and then in the cart class, the, how, the cart class, how'd that go for you? It went really well. Yeah, that one was one of the biggest class, and I I actually won the class. That was that one was exciting. Yeah, I saw the pictures. You looked absolutely amazing. One of the things our judge, as far as when I'm when I'm doing a show, what the judge is looking for is, is somebody that's in control of their horse, but yet looks like they're having fun. And I saw some of Stacy's pictures of you, and you looked ab absolutely beautiful. You you were dressed the part. You had a smile on your face, and your horse looked top notch. So. There was no way you shouldn't have won that class. Uh, and it, it I'll add, gorgeous. I'm looking at them too, and you never stopped smiling. I'm just like, 
<laughs> just to her smile the whole time. Yes, it was so much fun. <laughs> so when you get down to the the final two in the arena, like in that cart class, because it was big, there was over twenty entries, correct? In that class. Yeah, I think there was actually. If I remember correctly, I think there were thirty three. Yeah, so thirty three entries. In the class. And, and they're going down, they're going down, and they get to the top two. Is your heart just beating out of your chest there waiting for the result? Yes, it is. When we were waiting in the line, I was like, top 10. Like, that's what I was shooting for. I was like, top 10 is good. And then I kept going, and I was like, you know, it's an honor to be in the top five. Like, I'm in the top five. Like, like I'm not going to complain. Like, that is, that is right. so cool. And then when they got to the top two, I was like, oh, my gosh, like, second, like, like it would even be great. Like I, like I wasn't even thinking like first was even in the picture at that point. But then once they called the other, the other girl as second, like it was just like, it was like a smile was on my face and like it right. didn't leave until. Like, and who was, who was heading day. for you? Who was standing at the head of the horse? Uh, Travis Fox was heading for me. Awesome. Yes. Yes. He so he rode with me in the cart class. He was probably just as excited for you as you were excited for yourself. So, so you went in showmanship, decorating, judging, cart, and team. So that's how they kind of pick the overall. It's who participates in all the classes offered and who places the best. So that that is to me is just amazing because if I go back in time, the first time I remember seeing Hattie, you were a little tiny tiny girl, and you were my ribbon princess at the Louisville show, which will be coming up soon, but you were my little presenter of ribbons and you were the princess. So to watch you grow up and to become a talented horsewoman, and it's just been fun to watch you. And as Glenn said, you never stop smiling. Yes, it it is. It's the horses, the horses are, it's something that makes me happy. So at the shows, like a smile never leaves my face because I get to just be well, I get to be with the horses, but then I get to also be with, like, my second family is what I call everyone. Like, they're just the people that are, like, my best friends, and I get to be with them all week, and it's just so much fun. Well, Hattie, right. we only have a couple minutes left, and before we go, I want to hear about the horseshoe you, you had in your cart class. We're going to post a picture of that in our show notes today. Uh, tell us about the horse. Um. Well, the horse that I was driving, um, her name is Izzy. Um, she is one that we had borrowed from Doc Stone this year, and she was also part of the dream team, which was pretty cool. Um, and so I got to drive her and then it was just like the, the no, like the, what's what I'm looking for? Like the no, like I knew that I was like driving like Izzy, which was, and she's just so cool and she's so easy to drive. Like at Indiana, my little sister Ellie drove her in the cart class. And so it was just fun. Wow. And, and she is stunning. I mean, she's a stunning horse. So she is. Yeah. She is. She's so fun. Well, and not to just say that you are a very talented, horse minded person, you're a big volleyball girl too, as well. Is that right? Yes. I, there's always some conflicts with volleyball too. Um, I had to miss a game and my few practices before sectionals for the world show, but I have very supportive coaches and they knew that they know that this is something that is very important to me. So they usually always try to work around it and to help me out there. So well, I think, I I think you're pretty, some. 
I think you're pretty good at it because a little birdie told me that you are at 15 years old. You are on the college watch list as you progress through high school and play volleyball. The colleges are already starting to scout you out. Yeah, um, the college watch list. Like, um, I, I'm not sure about the volleyball one, but I know like I'm on the one for basketball. Um, the top 100 college watch list for basketball. I know. Wow. Um, I'm not That's sure exciting. about the volleyball. All right, you're 15 years yeah. old. What? What are you a <laughs> sophomore? Yes, I'm a sophomore this year. And they're already scout. Jeez, girl. Uh, and she can't even drive herself around yet. I know. She can't even get to practice by herself. <laughs> That's funny. How tall are gonna, you? How tall are you? Um, I'm about 6'2". Wow. 6'2 at 15. <laughs> wow. No wonder they're scouting you out. And I'm looking at your pictures of your volleyball and everything, and you're hunched over, and you still look t- t- a foot taller than everybody else. It's like... <laughs> That's about right, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm going to see your family showing next week at Louisville. Is that right? Yes, we'll be there. Um, I have a basketball game that weekend, so I'm going to have to try to work around that too to no, be it, able to be at both places at once. But that, yes, that darn school gets in the way. I know well, my son yeah. Austin loves to come down there, but he's got a he's got to be in the band on Friday or something. So school kind of gets in the way for you horse show kids, but, yeah, but I'll tell you what, Lisa, I'll tell you what colleges do not pay for the Belgian side of a full <laughs> run scholarship. So there's that. That's, that's I've been told that too. <laughs> yeah, I bet. Yes. Awesome. Well, Hattie, you are, yep. you are a tremendous young lady and it's been fun watching you grow up and, and your family, just an awesome family in, in the Belgian world. You went out to that world show, and you guys did extremely well, and, and, and it's just it's awesome to know you. Oh, well, thank you. It's awesome to know you, too. Thanks, Hattie, and, and uh, congratulations again, and, and good luck with the uh, basketball season. Thank you. All right, take now care. Now you have to go back to class. Guys and talking to you. Yeah, go back, back, go back oh, yeah. to work now. All right. <laughs> <laughs> we'll All see right. you, Hattie. Bye-bye, Hattie. Thanks. Wow, she's so well-spoken for 15. And 6'2"? Six 6'2", two? Six two, yeah. So when she's out there showing those horses, she looks like, well, she just moved into the senior division because in our draft horses, it's usually 8 to 14 and then 15 to 18. So she just this year moved into the senior division, but she, she's a tall girl. She, I think she gets it from her dad. Her dad's a pretty tall guy, too. But oh my gosh! So she doesn't have to use a stepladder to put the harness on. <laughs> she probably does, but just you know, it's just a convenience piece. Well, before we get to our next guest, we're going to hear from one of our other sponsors, and then the guest that I know, Lisa. She loves all our guests, but uh, this one especially coming up oh. in just a minute. <laughs> Harness and Supplies in the heart of draft horse country in Shipshawana, Indiana is your source for everything draft horse. Their large inventory of in-house crafted harness, halters, and show bridles, showtime blankets, sweats, wagons, and carts, horse care products, and even shoeing supplies will fill the needs of the heavy horse hobbyist, the horse farmer, the heavy horse exhibitor, and the horse pulling competitor. You can find them online at ShipshawanaHarness.com, as well as on Facebook at Shipshawana Harness. Or you can give them a call at 260-768-7254. Just ask for Bob. Shipshawana Harness and Supplies, your source for everything draft horse. 
And she's ready. Well, ladies and gentlemen, it is. Glenn and I have kind of joked about this, and, and Pam and I text about it and, and kind of joked about it yesterday, but it is an extreme honor to have Pam Minnick joining us. And and Pam is one of the co-hosts of Gentle Giants, but she is so much more than that. She is an icon in the horse industry, in the Western world. And so, Pam, it is so nice to have you on our show. Thank you, Lisa. Thank you for always helping guide us through this uh, journey that we call Gentle Giants, too. You know, we were pretty, pretty rookies in the draft horse industry when we got started on this journey. Yeah, well, we're going to start out saying right now that we have a big shout out, something we kind of have in common here, and you've been posting it on your Facebook, but one of the producers for Gentle Giants is Joe Ricketts, and and Joe Ricketts Uh is the owner of the Chicago Cubs, and all we can say is go Cubs go, they they clinched the, the title last night. Oh my gosh, I'm so glad that we're out here in Las Vegas on Pacific time because staying up past midnight uh, in Texas would have been tough for me, but it was easy out here in Vegas. Exactly. And and how, how strange you and I are both out here in Vegas, but I'm out here looking at, at cowboys and bulls and, and celebrating that, but you're out here for something even more special. Right. I was born here in Vegas, graduated from high school here, and my dad still lives here, and Tuesday was his 93rd birthday, so awesome. I couldn't... Uh, couldn't not come celebrate with him. And yesterday we got a new refrigerator. So we went fridge shopping. That was, that's how I spent my, t- while you're doing all the glamour things, I'm at Home Depot. Well, that's okay. Cause spending time with your dad's pretty, pretty special too. But as I said, I have watched you on TV so many times and I have to go back to the first time you and I met and, and I laugh about it now. It's one of those things I'll always remember. I was doing the Nebraska state fair and the superintendent said to me, hey, I'm going to be bringing in a lady that's going to that's going to work a little bit with you. And she's going to be shooting some coverage for television. And at that time, you walked into the room. You had a baseball cap on a T-shirt. You were just you. You were just you. And I said to you, have we ever met before? And you said, I don't think so. And then you left the room. You came back and you had your dress clothes on, your cowgirl hat and and. I looked at you and I said, you're Pam Minnick. And you laughed at me. But at that point, it hit me. You were the lady that was an inspiration to me because I would, growing up in the Midwest on Saturday nights, our big thing Friday and Saturday was to watch the Mesquite Rodeo and and watch Donnie Gay and all of, all of the rodeo. And you were the lady on television. And so here I am in Nebraska in an, in an office with you and from there, I can say we have spawned a friendship that it, it's just amazing how this draft horse world brings everybody together. I wouldn't agree more with you. I mean, I can't, can't agree more with you because um, from the very first day that we started uh, Gentle Giants, and especially like that, that was the first big draft horse show that uh, we went to. We went to one in Austin, Texas in March or April of that year where there were only 12 entries. And then to see the magnificence of the hitches and everything at the Nebraska State Fair and have you lead us through this when we were calling lines, reins, and um, all the mistakes that we made. Because as you said, I was a cowgirl. I mean, doing the sideline reporting for uh, rodeos, mesquite rodeo, the national finals rodeo, and the PBR was easy because it's something that I live every day. But entering the draft horse world, you know, Going back four or five years when Mr. Ricketts and, and Patrick Gotch from RFD-TV said, 
hey, do you think you can do a show about draft horses? And I thought I knew everything about horses, you know. And <laughs> one of the great things, though, in my life is the influence of my mother who never faced a challenge that she didn't meet head on, and, and she wouldn't let us say the word can't. So when they said, can you shoot, do a show on draft horses, I said, well, I, of course I can, because people like you helped lead us through, and hopefully we're, we're not uh, too big a rookies anymore. In fact, Glenn knows that I, I can drive a team, too. Yes, but if I remember right, I beat you. I think I beat you that time. But now what I hear is that you've gotten a lot more practice with the rain. So I'm a little concerned about that for when we meet again. I'm a little concerned. So see, we now well, have to get Glenn I, I, saying lines. Yeah, but let's face it. Too. We were both beat by a four-in-hand uh, competition driver. So, um, True. yeah, I mean, there was no way we were going to win that one. <laughs> so, but yeah, it was little, still fun. And it, it was fun. still one of the highlights of, of this journey was was you know driving that blue ribbon days team and and everything so we've we've really had some the best part of it was katie though wasn't it yes <laughs> yes she got her own little trophy too yes. didn't she for coming in last <laughs> yes she did <laughs> well you know well, what you were either going to have the team that it's just like driving anything it, you know you still have to figure out where the switches and buttons are right and every team right. every horse has different switches and buttons and when you're thrown in like that it's one of the reasons i like the collegiate competition so much because they're riding different horses everywhere you really have have to truly become a better horse person and uh so so it is kind of fun to do that stuff well and, and throw and, in obstacles and then it's really yeah. a challenge i was gonna say did somebody tell you too that you were supposed to hit every orange cone out there that that was the goal i hit zero <laughs> i got i can't say that i got no i no, i can't say that um <laughs> I got to ask you, Pam, because it's always been a dream of mine. I have never, we do, we cover it every year, but I've never been there. And I see on your credits something about the Tournament of Roses Parade. Did you, uh, did you cover that? Uh, I've, I've covered it every year for the past eight years, and I will be going back again this year. Um, RFD TV's coverage is actually unlike the other networks in that we show every horse group and every band. Um, and, of course, every float, but there's limited commercial uh, breaks on RFD-TV where the other networks, unfortunately, and horse fans will tell you this, the other networks take that opportunity to go to a commercial because they have to fulfill all the, you know, obligations of their sponsors. And for them, the whole thing is talking about the flowers and floats. But part of the Rose Parade and the way the Rose Parade started was as a, a exhibit of horse-drawn carriages with flowers on them. So RFD-TV has really embraced that. And, and like I said, I'll be going back this year for my, my ninth year to do the, the Tournament of Roses Parade. So wake up this year with us, not on New Year's Day, but on the 2nd, because the tradition in Pasadena is they never parade on a Sunday. And this year, New Year's Day is on Sunday. So the Tournament of Roses Parade will be bright and early on Monday morning, January 2nd. Ah, I didn't realize that it changed. Can I officially say now that I'm really jealous of you? <laughs> I, I just want to declare that because I am really jealous. Well, of you. it's 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 really a bucket list. Not only, and we also cover an event called a Quest Fest. Yeah, oh, yeah. You know, last yeah. year the yeah. last year the Dakota Thundershires came out there, and a few years earlier, Mr. Ricketts sent his um, Jackson Fork Percherons out there. So there's always wonderful hitch horses in the parade, as well as the light horses too, but uh, Quest Fest will be on December 30th, 
and uh, and that's so much fun. But it's a bucket list. You cannot believe the smell when you walk into those um, to those barns out there. They call them they call them barns, but they're full of flowers. I, wow. I, I am just so jealous. And, and we have always lived in places. We have lived in two of the horse capitals of the world and never had have the opportunity on our cable systems to have RFD TV. Wow. <laughs> just, well, oh God. well, I have news for you. You can get it online at RFDCC.com. So there's no excuses. RFD? It's cheaper than cable. Is it? RFDCC. That stands for countryclub.com. And it's about $8 a month, which is cheaper than your cable bill. So I didn't know that. Thank you for pointing that out. Well, let's talk a little. Yeah, this wasn't meant to be a commercial for our No, but but your show's there. It might as well be, right? Uh, That's true. Well, yeah, let's go back and talk about Gentle Giant. So this this started, what is it, four years ago that the idea of this started? And, And was it... Patrick's idea from RFD or was it Mr. Ricketts with at that time he was very involved in the horse industry was it his idea how did the idea start because whoever thought of this deserves the kudos it's truly groundbreaking coverage of our draft horse industry of all aspects from from logging to pulling to to the show and the hitching arena It, it it has broken down barriers where people are getting to see the gentle giants through your show at different events where they would have never had an opportunity to be. Well, I have to tell you that the original idea came from Brian Coleman, who is this year's North American Six Horse Hitch champion driver of the Mark Messenger Hitch. Brian was driving the Jackson Fork Hitch owned by Mr. Ricketts, and he just happened to mention it to Mr. Ricketts that he thought that, you know, that the whole series, the North American series, would be very interesting. So he, um, of course, he said something to Mr. Ricketts. Mr. Ricketts' primary home is Omaha, as is the corporate offices for RFD-TV. Mr. Ricketts and and Patrick Gotch met at a Christmas party, and he um, said to Patrick, you know, your network, which covers things agriculture and rural, needs to do a show on draft horses. And Patrick said, by all means, and they called me, and I flew up there, and uh, met with them in Omaha, and we mapped it out, and that was actually in 2012. So January begins our fifth season, if you our fifth year, if you can even imagine that. We've done almost a hundred shows, individual shows on on all aspects of the draft horse industry, and and it really started from from Brian's idea of covering just the six horse hitch. But as you know, on your show and people in the draft horse industry will tell you the industry is so much bigger than just the six horse hitches. And so that's why we try to cover, you know, pulling and families. And in fact, when we show too many hitch shows in a row on gentle giants, we start getting, you know, I wouldn't say negative comments, but comments of, you know, show me more uh, pulling, show me more uh, logging, show me maple sugar, you know, this and that. I, one of the great things that we're doing, of course, like all you know, shows and things like that, we've struggled with finding um, adequate sponsors, even though the show has been, since the third week that it aired back in 2013, it's been the number one equine show on RFD TV, which we're very proud of. Is because that that's right? That's going head-to-head with all those clinicians, wow. all those you know, barrel racing, team roping, everything. Gentle Giants is number one in the equine genre. But still, you know, it's it's a it's a small pool, you know, when you're going to corporate America asking for sponsorship. 
So we're, we're able to replay some of our shows to kind of fill that time and keep that alive. And this week, our show with Dick Sparrow and his 40 Horse Hitch um, replays, and it was one of our most popular shows. And as you all well know, Mr. Sparrow's been gone for quite a long time, but he certainly made such a mark on the industry. So those are some of the shows that we're able to bring and then, and then bring back to life. Right. And if you and if you watch it on RFD TV, it's always on Sundays at four o'clock central and then they replay it again mm-hmm. at eleven on Sundays. At eleven o'clock that night. Mm-hmm. Right. Well, I know I have this small issue. I changed cable companies and when I changed the companies and of course they take away the box that is your control box, they took away all wow. the episodes that I had recorded. And so I remember calling you saying, Austin's not happy with me. I've lost all my gentle giants. But there's a way to see every episode. Tell us, tell us if, if you're looking to buy a Christmas gift for a horse person, what can they find at RFD TV? Well, on at the RFD TV store on their website, they they sell seasons one through six uh, of Gentle Giants. So you can buy each season individually on DVDs, or you can buy the entire package for just ninety nine dollars. Um, but also on uh, on that RFDCC, that Country Club that I. Uh, mentioned the subscription uh, service, you can actually go and watch most of the archive shows. Um, it doesn't go back to season one on that, but there's a lot of those shows. And then on our website, GentleGiants.tv, we've probably got about 20 shows on that that you can watch for free. You just yes. uh, click on there and it'll take you to YouTube, to our YouTube channel. So there's a mm-hmm. lot of great, uh, a lot of great shows. And we've got a lot of good shows coming up. We just came back from Massachusetts from the Belgian North American Belgian Championships. So that show will air uh, Thanksgiving week of, in November. And uh, it was really a beautiful show. And, and you're going to be happy with this because a horse named Lisa won Best of Breed. <laughs> I know that. <laughs> well, and one thing we, we've failed to mention here is your co-host. Uh, Katie Kaufman just brings a smile to the show. People say, does she ever stop smiling? Cause she's just so happy go lucky. How, how did Katie, um, become your co-host on the show? Well, Katie, um, was Miss Rodeo California and she wanted to go into broadcasting. And so she moved to Fort Worth with uh, my American rancher show, which is all also on RFD TV, um, is produced by superior livestock and superior productions. So she moved to Fort Worth to mentor with me because she wanted to do the sideline reporting like I do. And like, like all of us, you know, the, the industry gets, gets younger as, as we, you know, it's a blessing that it's a blessing to have a birthday, but the facts are, um, you know, in, in a sport where the athletes are 24 and 25 years old, they don't want a 60 year old woman interviewing them. And so, um, so we, you know, Katie That's knew not, that there was That is a, so not true. Just to say, that is so <laughs> not true. But go on. <laughs> it, it might, it might be, not be true in radio, but it certainly is in television. But <laughs> Why do anyway, you think so I do Katie radio? Moved to, <laughs> <I'm sorry>. <laughs> <laughs> Katie moved to uh, Fort Worth, and, and we became fast friends as I helped her uh, maneuver the, um, the career in uh, broadcasting, ro- rodeo broadcasting, and... Then when Mr. Ricketts came up with the idea for Gentle Giants and, and Patrick, Katie's a very accomplished editor, a, a great videographer. She's not only good in front of the camera, but she's good behind the camera as well. And we just have a chemistry. A lot of people think she's my daughter because we, we travel together, we tease each other, but 
Um, you're right. She just always has a smile on her face. Of course, a lot of that is from being a rodeo queen. You learn how to smile even when you don't want to. And, and you know, shooting gentle giants, as you guys have seen, uh, there's a lot of uh, long hours. I mean, those draft horse classes at a big show like NABC start at 8 in the morning and they don't finish till 10 or 11 o'clock at night. And if we don't shoot at all, we don't know what we're going to miss. So, um so well, we try to be there. I do have for a question. I have a question about that because you know, obviously, all, what we do is e- much easier to edit. Why do you think I do this? It's so much easier than what you do. So, the, <laughs> the question I have for you, though, if you take all that footage from a show like that, how many hours in post production does it take you to put to get the show together? It takes over thirty hours in post production to put a twenty-two minute show together, and that's wow. where some of the expense lies because. Um, yeah, and, and some shows are easier than others, but but a big show like uh, when we went to the Percheron World Show or even the North American Six Horse Hitch Championship, which we just, this year we were only able to cover the final go-round. But even with that, you're taking a full hour of arena footage and cherry-picking the best little bit to make uh, 22 minutes, which is about the t- the time that we fill in a, in a half-hour show without sponsors and credits and things like that. But NABC was um, probably, we probably had more than, I'm going to say more than 40 hours of footage to uh, to scrub through. And 30 hours, you, you can go through it fast, you know. So when I say 30 hours to, to, to of editing, you can scrub through 40 hours of footage in 30 hours because you just go really, really fast on some of that stuff. You fast forward and you pick the right stuff, and and a lot gets left on the cutting room floor, and that's unfortunate. But um, it's it's a fact of television, just like radio. You you know you you take out the word the ums and you take <laughs> out the bad stuff, and some interviews you think are going to be charming are a real bust. So you just cherry pick to make the best thing that you think the viewers are going to want to see. I take out well, my ums and leaves Lisa's in. Um, <laughs> Thanks, Glenn. <laughs> nice to have a nice now, to have a now we like now you. we know that right, Lisa. Yeah. <laughs> Now I'll be conscious. Pam, we're, we're, um, we just ran out of time here. So uh, we, d- tell people again, remind them the websites where they can find your show, where they can uh, find you. Uh, our, our website is gentlegiants.tv. You can always follow us on Facebook. Make sure you go to Gentle Giants TV, not the Draft Horse Rescue. And you also um, at rfdcc.com can archive or watch anything on RFD TV. And make sure you watch us 4 and 11 Central on on Sundays, as I mentioned, Dick Sparrow coming up this week. Next week, Draft Horse Healthcare, and then we go into the North American Belgian Championship. So it'll be a great month on Gentle Giants. Thank you, Pam. We appreciate you stopping by. It's it's been a joy, and and I'm looking forward to competing against you here at some point again. <laughs> okay, as long as somebody trusts us with their horses again. Yeah, exactly. yeah see, that's the problem. <laughs> well, enjoy Vegas, Pam, and if I happen to go to Home Depot, I'll look to see if you're back in the appliance division. Thank you. We love you, Lisa. <laughs> we can't thank you enough for everything you do. Thank you so much, and, right. and enjoy your day, and, and happy birthday to your dad. I'll tell him. All Thanks. Right. Thanks, Pam. Well, Bye-bye. she's she's just delightful, and it is a really good show. I've seen many episodes of it. I went onto their website and watched all I could. I didn't know that RFD had the had the online thing now, so uh-huh. so that's gonna we'll have to 
Well, it's good because a lot of our our, um, draft horse people in Canada cannot get RFD TV. So I was getting I am Literally, I have lived and had the major cable company, the only cable company, in Lexington, Kentucky, and in Ocala, and they don't have it. Two horse capitals, and we can't get it. Wow, that's crazy. You know, so figure that out, right? It's all a contract thing. But still, I mean, it's like I live in the horse capital world. You think I'd be able to get the one network that's about horses. Yeah, (laughs) darn. But, you know, it it is a tremendous show, and it it has brought coverage to all aspects, like she said. Um, I mean, you can see the workhorses. Remember when we talked to Jason out, out on the East Coast, the logger? Every aspect of our draft horse industry, Gentle Giants covers, and Pam and Katie always have smiles on their face. And I think what is what is so interesting about it is when you see an episode, you would think that they come with a film crew and editors and producers. It's these two ladies, Pam and Katie, come and do it all. They shoot the coverage. They edit it. There is There is no camera crew. It literally is those two with a tripod. And setting up the interviews, they're just so talented and such a such a great thing to have in our industry. Well, why don't we review the schedule coming up? Why don't you tell us what's coming up and then we'll wrap up the show. All right. I am going to be covering, uh, doing some interviews in Louisville, Kentucky next week. We're going to be down there at the North American Livestock Expo. Their draft horse show is on Friday and Saturday of next week. Also, the Royal Winter Fair is going on in Toronto, Canada. That is the granddaddy of our historic draft horse competitions. It, again, is starting now. It's running through the 14th of November. The LaRue Horse and Tax Sale in LaRue, Ohio, will be on, on November 5th. Equine Affair, November 10th through the 13th in West Springfield, Massachusetts. That is the home of the Percheron Congress that you are a part of, also where the the recent Belgian championship was. And it will be the Blue Ribbon Days Percheron Hitch that are going to be the featured draft horses at Equine Affair. So if you'd like to see the gentle giants, the draft horses, the Percherons up close, Equine Affair, November 10th through the 13th. The Dixie Draft Horse Mule and Carriage Auction, in that is in North Carolina. If you're in the more uh, southeastern part of this country and you want to see some great draft horses for sale and equipment, that's the Dixie Draft Horse Mule and Carriage Auction in North Carolina. And then the Lawrence Old Fashioned Christmas Parade, December 3rd in Lawrence, Kansas. Going on the other part of the country, but this is a horse-drawn parade, and we've covered it in the Draft Horse Journal. Brings a new aspect into a parade when all of the events and all the coverage is based on the horses. So lots of good things coming up in our area, and uh, no matter where you are, pick up your Draft Horse Journal journal there's always a schedule of events and talks about the different exhibitors that live all across this great country and we can visit lisa uh, on facebook at the clydesdale store and more you can find uh, her there also find the links to today's guest in the show notes at horsesinthemorning.com you can follow horses in the morning on facebook just search for horses in the morning and we are part of the horse radio network one of 10 different shows kind of like the rfd for radio and you can find us the easiest way to listen to our shows is any podcast player you can find all of the shows you can also find us on our own app we have our own phone app uh, just go to iOS or Android, go to the App Store and search for Horse Radio Network. It's one of the simplest and easiest ways to listen to the show. Uh, And you've done several shows now, and I'm happy to report, and I know Lynn will be happy to hear this, and the sponsors will too, you're still in the top five of all of the episodes we do here on Horses in the Morning every month. So. well, we're going we're gonna to be like Hattie. We're shooting for number one. So we're going to continue to get the word out there. And if you're listening to this or if you go back and listen to it on the podcast, make sure to tell your friends. And, and we'll continue to share 
the link so you can get to us quick and, and listen to the up-to-date episode or go back and listen to our first few episodes. Of course, our sponsors are the Clydesdale Breeders of the USA, Shipshawana Harness and Supplies, the Clyde Store and More, the Pennsylvania Draft Horse Sale, Penwood's Equine Products, and we appreciate all of their support for this show. Well, that's it, Lisa. We have to go. You have to get out into Vegas and find yourself a cup of coffee. All right. Have a great day, and thanks so much to our listeners. All right, everybody. We'll be back again next month. Do not forget that it is the first Thursday of every month for the Draft Horse episode. We'll be back tomorrow. Jamie will be here. We'll be doing some really bad ads and giving away surprises. 9 a.m. Eastern on Horses in the Morning. 